were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Dream Believers podcast. I am your host, Space Orphan 18. And I'm Bethany, not that beyond Tumblr. Hi, and this is our All the Other Ghosts podcast. Um, hi, guys. We are doing Chapter 5 in All the Other Ghosts. So welcome back. Um, welcome back. Uh, it's been a while, and I'm glad to be back. And even though I'm now totally being awkward, um, I know that we were doing recaps before, but honestly, I'm having trouble remembering much about what happened exactly in chapters one through four. But the the long and the short of it, if you're just jumping in, is that Kurt and Blaine are superheroes. Kurt mm-hmm. is the ghost of New York. He has been uh-huh. out on his own for a while, and he does... Um, he basically he can fade and turn invisible and turn intangible. So he's been doing that ever since you know he got to college and moved out to New York. Blaine just came to New York. Um, he is a superhero that he can. He he's not a superhero. He he goes and he f- accidentally finds the ghost and and um, the ghost accepts to to train him a bit and he does shields and he has shields. Right. That he, you know. And of course, in all clean fan fiction, it is about. The two of them um, trying to figure falling out falling in love, falling in love, something. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure this out with the backdrop of superheroism, right? And so, okay, so we're going to do chapter five, and we're going to do this a little differently going forward than we were doing before. I mean, I think before we were kind of doing um, scene by scene, but um, we're going to start just kind of looking at the bigger picture stuff, and mm-hmm. then maybe grabbing a few details out of stuff that we liked or we needed to talk about or thought worth talking about. Um, so yeah, uh, so this is chapter five, and the major thing about chapter five, there's a couple of big 
there's one big thing that happens. Um, yeah. Up until this point, you know, it's been a lot of, um, it's been a lot of not even will they, won't they? It's a lot of Blaine is kind of in love with this ghost idea and Mm -hmm. Kurt's being a little resistant to letting anybody in his life. I think that Blaine has probably at this point, has been able to separate the ghost from Kurt. Mm-hmm. He's, but he's still very much, um, you know, that, and I say this with all the love in the world, that very much that puppy dog, like, just love me, just love me, just love me. Like he's mm-hmm. very, he's definitely gotten to the point where he can separate the two of them, but that doesn't mean that the, the desire to be with Kurt and, or the ghost has changed. That makes right. sense. No, it makes total sense. Yep. Um, so this there's kind of three-ish, two-ish parts to this uh, uh-huh. this chapter. Um, the first parts, Kurtz decided to take on Blaine not as a sidekick. He does have. I should read these rules. He has rules about doing this. Right. Um, you know, one is you can only call me Ghost when in costume, which is a uh-huh. secret identity thing. You're not my sidekick or partner. Um, which is kind of funny because he eventually will be, but like right now you're you, I'm just going to take this on because I can, but you're you, um, emphasis on individuality. And then the third one is, um, I'll keep my lies and you'll keep yours. Right. Um, so I think at this point, Kurt is mm -hmm. very much like, I'll train you, but then we'll do our own thing separately. Like, I don't think he believes at this point that they're going to be, a, a combination team. No, he doesn't. Past and, the point of him training him, right? And Blaine is like, well, I'll take what I can get at this, at Correct. you know, this point. Exactly. I do like that. You know, um, there is that little moment though that Blaine is like, well, what lies do you need me to tell me? You know, I don't tell me anything, and he's like, mostly that I know what I'm doing. Um, right. And then Blaine says that you're not what I expected. I didn't expect a real person. Which is kind of a a big thing, like what you were saying a little bit earlier, that um, Blaine has come, really, he understands there's a cart and there's a ghost, and there's two different people. And the more that he gets to know ghosts, or not a ghost, the more that he gets to know cart, he likes cart better than he likes the ghost. Absolutely, Um, yes. So... Um, so then we get into the big, be- really the beginning of phalanx. Is how, that's how I say it. I don't know if it's said. That's how we decided to say it last time, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you say it differently, that's fine. Well, I don't know I what the actual. Did, but I always said it in my head. So I don't know if I ever said it out loud. Cause oh. I always said flanks, but never out loud. So phalanx, it could be, I mean, I. Is it two? Did we look it up if there's two syllables or not? We did look it up, but we got conflicting information. So basically, <laughs> however you want to say it, you can say it. We're going to say phalanx. Okay. I feel bad because you don't need to adopt mine just because I appreciate whatever. I think um, I already did. Yeah, okay. I, I already did in my head. <laughs> well, the, the thing I want to point out here, though, we get... Um, we get this research. Kurt does a lot of research. And the one thing I do want to point out with this is that um, Rainjoy is, is a huge thing for Greek history and literature. Yes. And that's where this comes from. Um, because mm-hmm. the shields kind of make this like traditional Greek history shield formation. 
Um, so that's where it comes from. Uh, of course, as we talked about earlier, a, a lot of the the shield stuff is is indicative of Blaine's character and how he's a protector. Um, yes. So and you could say that about Kurt too that he likes to become invisible. Yes. He likes to be. He wants you to see him when he wants you to see him, but when he doesn't want you to see him, he wants to be invisible. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so the big thing that we're probably going to spend the most time talking about, though, um, is this. Uh, so after the, the design of the the costume has happened, um, Kurt invites Blaine over to his house, which Blaine feels this is a is a huge step forward because Correct. of the fact that it's it's um, Kurt allowing him into his space, mm-hmm. and we get one of the most con, con- one of the biggest issues. Oh, this stuff. Okay. There is a lot that I still really love about this story. And really, one of the biggest things is when we'll get to later is the fandom aspect she does is amazing with it. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, and we talked about it, I mentioned it a little bit in some of the previous chapters. What happens in this particular part of the chapter is that Kurt is is measuring with a tape measure Blaine's body and being very close to him. And Blaine gets a little excited though. She never explicitly says explicit things. And not yet. Anyway, not yet. Yeah. Kurt just backs off. He just like, well, Blaine. Uh And it's so, and this is another issue I have is that she's so vague about what actually happens. Like, does Blaine actually lean in for kiss or does he actually, I don't know, something a little bit more intimate than Kurt wanted. So Kurt backs off and mm-hmm. gets freaked out. Then Blaine goes on this whole, like, you can trust me, I'm a nice guy. You can trust me, I'm a nice guy that I, I will comment on in a second. And Kurt is like, no, I can't do this. I, you know, right. be, just be friends and mm-hmm. you need to stop. Right. Okay, so here's my my issue, and it really it once she once Marine Joy settles in more to who Kurt and Blaine are and who her versions are, it it isn't as much of an issue. Um, but at this moment, Kurt is first of all very female coded, uh-huh. um, which is a problem because Kurt is a masculine character, and. Um, I was talking to Bethany before we started recording that one of my issues is that it's more jarring now that we've had the entire uh, entirety of canon and Kurt is a more masculine character by the end of the series than when he started um, that androgynous has kind of melted away and he is very masculine identifying mm-hmm. and then um, that this very female coded Kurt is, is, is kind of it's kind of a hard sell for me, but on top mm-hmm. of that, you've got Blaine, nice guy, TM going on too. Right. And you also have to take it, you know, this was written at the time in Canon when it was, we didn't know, like Kurt wasn't a fully formed character yet said he was at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was working with that and that is, it's not an excuse, but it is an explanation for why he was written that way. Because in the beginning he was more, you know, it was more effeminate. I mean, yeah, effeminate. But well, and, he definitely was also very, you know, strong about who he was. So he just the lines were blurred, and she just went on one side of that blurred line, whereas Cannon took him to the other side. Right. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with 
you know, effeminate characters. No, um, of course not. And I think that, like, even though season three had happened, because obviously, because Cooper's around, uh-huh. she really keeps Kurt in his season two and yes. earlier incarnations, mm-hmm. where we see a 23-year-old Kurt, you know, we see 21 and 26 at the end of, and, and it's just a different character. Yes. She very much keeps him. Um, and I think as we get into, we'll talk a little bit why when we get into a little bit more of Kurt's backstory, but, um, uh, that like androgynous effeminate version really stays, but because she decided to do that, um, it kind of lends itself to this conversation of here's Blaine being nice guy TM and, um, it's too pushy and it doesn't help yeah. the way, the way Rainjoy does her scenes and does a lot of things. She's very repetitive. Now, part of that's her style. So I can't mm-hmm. get too hung up on her style because she does that with everything. And if you read others of her works, that's just the way she is with her characters. Right. Um, but kind of isolated Blaine being like, I'm a nice guy. Trust me. I'm a nice guy. Trust me. It just is like, it's, it makes the scene, which is supposed to be about these two, supposedly growing together um uh, it's harder to buy into what she's trying to sell if that makes sense right it does make sense i get it um i guess for me it is a little bit frustrating but it's like i because i've read the story and i know what the ending is it's easier for me to justify this if that makes sense yeah like I can I can see it I don't love it I don't you know I I wish it was it was a little bit different but at the same time it's like well I know that it's gonna ease off so and it does it really does and I I know I also know that Kurt's not gonna be super bothered by it because you know (sighs) You know, everybody responds to things in different ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if this re- if he were doing that to me, I would imme- immediately get closed off and be like, okay, you need to just back off because you're being too pushy and I can't handle it. But there is an aspect of where Kurt is who, yes, he is going to close him off a little bit, but then he's also going to let him back in. So you also have to t- kind of take that into consideration as well. Like, mm-hmm you know, who's it being directed at and is it unwelcome? Yep, exactly. Well, and keep in mind, it's kind of funny that she gets so repetitive on the I'm a nice guy, trust me thing, where it's almost blinking you miss the moments throughout this entire chapter of, like, Blaine sends emails and Kurt smiles. Kurt gets giddy when Mm -hmm. he thinks about this stuff. But they're just one-sentence things, and when you compare that to the sheer amount of repetition that she gets caught up in, Mm-hmm. Um, with this other stuff, it isn't as noticeable, but there are definite signs that Kurt uh, is really like starting to understand Blaine is a person that he wants in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I say, like there's the next, there's the next little bit where Kurt is kind of thinking everything over and, you know, the hard part about that previous, like the whole bedroom thing is that it's from Blaine's point of view and not from Kurt's. Yes. So you don't get Kurt's inner thought process, which is a little bit more complicated. Um, 
And that would have helped a little bit. Well, I think it just Mm -hmm. needed to be rewritten completely. But um, there is a difference between the pushy, you know, trust me, I'm a good guy type thing. And then, you know, look, I've been through a lot of crap. I have a hard time letting somebody in, which is what she's going for. But kind of, yeah, the whole scene might have been easier if it had been from Kurt's point of view. Um, however, it is another, she makes another large jump and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but Kurt claims that, you know what, we really should just be friends. Well, and he, at no point does Kurt say, I'm not interested or I'm not, you know, attracted to you or whatnot. It's just, I can't do this right now. Um, which is such a smaller point that I feel like could have been, uh, explored a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't explore Kurt's attraction or, you know, whatnot. No, not really at all, actually. Yeah. Um, Which could have helped things a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, it's going to just the this ending. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, anyway, going from that, we get into, um, we get into this action sequence. And... Uh, basically, there's a situation where the Mata family um, has put a hit out on Kurt. Mata uh-huh. family is going to be important throughout this whole story. Um, and basically, Kurt's in an awkward position because... Um, I don't remember exactly how it's worded. But basically, there's a hostage situation. And if he doesn't show up, they're going to start killing hostages. Yep. But then if he, if he, you know, he can't stop the person running the thing and stop other people from killing the hostages at the same time. Right. And Kurt's basically being held at gunpoint um, saying, you know, look, look, you're going to have to die or we kill all these people. And he can't meet in two places at once. And so Blaine is, it's the first time Blaine comes in and uses his shield to intervene. And basically, um, there is this, like this moment of realization that Kurt needs other people in his life. He can't do this on his own anymore. And it's very, you know, the, the well-timed placement of storytelling. Oh yeah. Where he's struggling with accepting this second, this other person into what he's doing. And then poof, here is a situation where he wouldn't have been able to save as many people had Blaine not been there. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what happens in storytelling. You know, you just kind of have to accept that for what it is. Then I can accept pretty well though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for whatever it's reason. True. It's true. And then, you know, but it also is a catalyst for, Kurt realizing that he can't do this on his own. He has to have help. It does. It's not all about like him needing a night off to sleep and having, but it's also about him needing someone else to be there whenever he's in a compromised position. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. So. And as action sequence goes, sometimes Rainjoy does amazing things. Sometimes they are tedious to get through this one actually works for me very well it's very tense it's very in the moment it's very every piece of action is there for a particular reason and it's very tense and you feel that tension all the way through it and it's very very good is Blaine gonna show up is Blaine gonna show up is he gonna listen to you know go against what Kurt tells him and go ahead and come in and save like you're you're wanting you're 
you know, rooting for Blaine to show up. Yeah. And he does. Do you, do you remember, did you ever watch Lost? I don't remember if uh-huh. you were in with it. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember in the third season when they had that like mini part where like Sawyer and Kay are in a cage and they're going to shoot yeah. Sawyer. And at the very yes. last second, Jack radios in, but you're like, Oh my God, are they really going to shoot Sawyer? That, that is uh-huh. what I like that moment. Like, is it this, are they going to really do? There is a moment when you're like, are they really going to, is Kurt really going to let them shoot him? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, It's also just a shout out to Vocal Adrenaline. I mean, these cameos, these season one and two cameos, (laughs) she gets them in there. Um, She definitely does in very creative ways. Yep. So I like I like the the uh, little shout out to Canon that she sometimes does. Um, And so yeah. So then after that all happens and and goes down. They kind of end up back at Mr. Conti's place. And um, this is when he does the rooftop date. Mr. Conti's so happy that he sets mm-hmm. up this rooftop date for them. And Kurt's a little embarrassed. But um, That's sweet. it's very sweet. It's really sweet. Um, and then they end up through this. They end up having their first kiss. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's just, okay, well, this is a thing that is right. happening. <laughs> We're going to do this now, apparently. Yep, after all of this. that's. I think that's also why some of the earlier stuff in the chapter doesn't work for me that well. Because mm-hmm. you have Kurt, you know, being allowed being kissed. And he says he's never been so helpless, not in a bad way. Um, right. So... And it's also very vaguely described. She does this when, and we'll talk about when they first have sex as well. It's so vague that sometimes you're mm-hmm. a little like, it's, it, Rainjoy has this funny, she can get very, very detailed and you can get a very good atmosphere and what's going on. And then she does stuff like this where it's so vague that you're like, wait a minute, what am I reading? Like, what is exactly <laughs> going on? And the right. first kiss is a little like that. You're like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? Um, so I just, I, I I wish that she had tied in, because clearly what I, I feel like you're supposed to interpret out of this is that they have, you know, Kurt's on the fence, he's having issues, you know, getting, being intimate, and, and, and for a lot of, you know, the reasons we talked about in the chapters one through four, that he's just a, mm-hmm. a been on his own for so long, and then this, this action sequence happens where, you know, they have to work together as a team, and he would not have survived had you know Blaine not been there mm-hmm. and then allowing Blaine to kiss him he kind of allows Blaine into that um, which you know is is intentional that's mm-hmm. that's a very intentional you know course of or not course of actions what's the word I went before series of of um oh my gosh sorry my words yeah. are failing me that's okay a series of I'm making hand movements, but you you guys can't see what I'm doing. (laughs) You know, a series of storytelling. It's like this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And then because all of those things happened, then Kurt feels comfortable enough to allow Blaine to kiss him. Right, exactly. And I think that narrative through line works in, mm-hmm. I think that just, and, and like I said, you can't be too critical of something that is a free 
fan work done yes. for the love of it. You know, I'm not sitting mm-hmm. here and being like, this shouldn't have been published. Wait, whatever. She has the right to do. She probably doesn't have an editor. She probably didn't, ha- you know, she's just writing. Right. And writing. she's just doing and, it in her free time and yeah. writing because she wants to, you know, that's all well and good. But also, you know, as a, as a reader, you are allowed to also not criticize, but be critical of what you're reading. Right. So exactly. Both of those things are true and they both exist in the same sentence and the mm-hmm. same thought process. So like I said, there's going forward, there are a lot of things I do like about, you know, how she weaves story together and how she, she mm-hmm. you know, plots things. But this particular choice, uh, it, it's just a little too heavy on the, almost hetero, heteronormative coding mm-hmm. yeah of the you know nice guy tm and pushing the female into doing something she doesn't want to and i'm like mm. it's a little icky it can get a little icky at times so especially for two females who are reading it and the females who are listening you know what i mean like exactly we've all been in that situation where we've been where it's been like oh i'm a nice guy you should you should trust me. No, just because you're a nice guy doesn't mean that I have to trust you. Right, That's a nice exactly. guy or nice guy's TM. And we, I know, and it's hard because we know Blaine is. I mean, we're not saying that Blaine yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. not a commentary on Blaine's character at all because we know Blaine is a good guy and he exactly. has the true intentions. Um, so it's, it that I think almost makes it even more frustrating that... But I feel like this is, you can tell she really wanted to get to the relationship part of the story. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I read this and, and, you know, you get to chapter five and it's like, oh, bam, they're already like a couple. I was expecting a slow burn for 10 chapters. Uh And um, no, she's pretty quick about getting them together. And I think no. There's not a whole lot of preamble to that. No. Um, And it's, it's, um, it's kind of nice in a way because I like. The story that, you know, it's really about them being a couple and being superheroes as a couple. And I think that it starts to pick up. Um, well, this, the next couple of chapters are a little slow. But once it starts to really get into them working as a team, mm-hmm. I think the story really starts to pick up and, and really gets to the meat of the the good parts of the story. So Absolutely agree. Cool. All right. So just a couple of small things I wanted to mention. Um, at the beginning, we have a lot of Rachel. 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 Oh, my goodness. Uh, always dazed by encounters with Rachel Berry's feelings. Um, <laughs> and um, I, she, she calls him anemic cute and a slut who needs saving. Ugh. She basically <sighs> slut shames him. Yeah. That is what not she good. does. She does. Also, this okay because it's going to be something that comes up a lot. This whole idea that Kurt is the scrawny, like anemic-looking person, oh my and I'm God. like, it's all the time, and it's so funny because it's it's like the it, it I, I I react to it like the toothpick arms comment in uh-huh. canon. What part uh-huh. of Chris Colfer is too thin? <laughs> like right, like if anything, in the beginning he was a little rounder and that's yeah. i would say it's a good thing it's a very good thing like he was young he hadn't grown into his body yet this whole and then even whenever he got older and slimmed out he was still very muscular and and yeah. solid so this whole idea of like toothpick arms it's very well it's just incorrect one but also it's just like where does that come from? I know. It, again, I feel like it comes from the wanting to female code it a little bit, um, to be and honest also, with you. 
I think part of it, and I hope I don't get any hate for this, and I'm sorry, you know, if this, whatever. It also comes from the fact that Chris Colfer is a very, um, what's the word? He's very, he makes fun of himself a lot. And he's yeah. very like, oh, well, you know, Ethel Merman is here to do da da. And he's talking about himself. And I think people pick up on that and then use that kind of to describe him. Yeah. Whereas I don't and think it's all the way true. No, it's not. And he's, I, you know, and I can understand when people are like, well, but what if Kurt, who didn't have Blaine and he, you know, even mm. so. No, even I still think he, he would have grown into his own body. Yeah. Like if you look at Chris and Kurt in season four, which was when I've noticed that he was at his smallest, mm-hmm. um, he had a growth spurt and I don't know if stuff was going on behind the scenes. I don't want to speculate, but he was very small for his friend, but Kurt genetic, not Kurt, Chris genetically is a, a bigger guy. Like you look yes. at his family and you look at, um genetics and tendencies through you know he's just a a broader person like and that broad shoulders mm -hmm. and just a bigger bone structure Mm -hmm. um just he's never going to be a toothpick kind of person so some of this imagery is poetic license or whatever but so just straight up false yeah exactly well and it's I think it also, like, uh, season two played into this idea of, you know, Blaine being a, an older mentorish type character. Darren, though, is such a tiny little person that I think that fandom forgets that or doesn't acknowledge it or doesn't really think about it, especially in that time period of when she's she was writing. Um, so the fact that, you know, Blaine would be bigger than Kurt is just kind of funny. Like, right. <laughs> It's, Blaine's never going to be bigger than Kurt because Kurt is always going to be taller. Yeah, if that. nothing else. <laughs> and like Blaine, I mean, Darren is just a tiny guy. He just um, is. He I, there's I this mean, one s- story of him getting there's a limousine and he, like Corey and Leah and Chris and maybe somebody else and maybe Amber we were already in it and then Darren's like let me in and they're like well it's full and he's like I'm tiny as fuck let me in <laughs> right. <laughs> It's yeah, so it you can suspend your disbelief. I mean, we're being super nitpicky, just as an FYI. Correct. I mean, we we're are. just. I mean, um, but it's our podcast, so we get to do what we want. Yeah, so. Exactly right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's but and there's no disrespect to Rain Joy. There's no, no point. Of of, yeah, not. like she, what a lot of what she put together is actually really quite amazing. So, um, just as somebody who looks at stories and looks at them critically, this is where I'm coming from with that. Right. Um, and we were you, talking about before we got on the oh, podcast. Sorry. How about no? You're fine. I was just saying we were talking about before we started the podcast about how that's going to come naturally because we're going to be reading it in a way to talk about it. So it's going to become a little bit more critical. So right. if we ever become critical, just know that it comes from a place of very much love for the story and for the author. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the other thing about Rachel, we should note because Rachel, even though she's not going to be in the story a whole lot, she's going to be very important to the end of the story. Yes. And the fact that she is a journalist, you can tell where Rain Joy was like, okay, I have an ending in mind, but I'm going to stall on my way to get there. And so it's like, she does little things and, and puts in little pieces of the puzzle as it goes along. Um, mm-hmm. But then gets off on the side tangents of Kurt and Blaine's feelings. Um, right. 
But Rachel being an investigative journalist is incredibly <laughs> important. Um, yes. And yeah, so it, it is worth um, worth mentioning there. Um, something right. else I wanted to, it's kind of funny. I think just because I spent more time in my comic book world lately and, and a lot of the MCU stuff, a lot of this like superhero stuff stands out to me more than it did. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this moment on the rooftop where Kurt's trying to train Blaine and he's like, you need to punch me. And Blaine's like, I don't know if I want to punch you. He's like, no, he punched me. And you're not going to hurt me. And it reminds me of the Ant-Man sequence when Evangeline <laughs> yeah. Lilly is trying to train Ant-Man. And she's like, punch me. And he's like, I don't know if I can do that. And then he's like, you punch me. And then so she punches him in the face. Like, yeah. see? Yeah, the whole yeah. thing just yeah. reminded me of that. Um, yes. So. Um, oh, and no capes. No capes. <laughs> no capes. <laughs> it's which makes me wonder what exactly um Blaine's or sorry, Kurt's how Kurt's power set works. How can he make the entire cape go solid? Like I cannot or go intangible. Because I can understand like the top part of it, but I don't understand how he would be able to make I don't think I think he made this the cape out of some kind of very thin material. So if he touches it, he can make it intangible. Like he has to still be touching it. But also, your brain went there. My brain went to Blaine or Kurt doesn't want anything covering up Blaine's butt because he just wants to look <laughs> at it. <laughs> and that's the difference between the two of us. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah. Um, just a tiny little nitpick. Uh, so, as a lot of people know, Rainjoy is from um, the UK, and um, sometimes she doesn't get New York very well. And one of the times, there's theory. They're on this rooftop, and they're looking up at the stars. I'm like, you can't see the stars. I'm sorry. You you, right. you go to New York City. There's so much ambient light. It's impossible to see the stars. You have to get very far out of the city to see anything. And when or I say very, very high far up, this, like yes, I'm pretty sure they're not standing on the the you know even on the Empire State Building. I don't think it would be. You mm. couldn't. When I was in, I've only been. I've only been on the Empire State <laughs> Building once. Now, granted, it was a little bit of a cloudy night, but I couldn't see anything. Yeah, but there is like a there's. It's so funny because there's like a a halo of fog around the middle of the the building that you can see down into, mm-hmm. but yeah. I couldn't see anything going up. Um, also, uh, there's a little moment when Blaine says his crown ground rules for Kurt to take a night off, which will be a thing eventually. But, um, yeah. but I like that when he says, I'd like to know who you are when you are, you're not so ratty. And the, it is a, that is a genuine funny moment. Like that yes. little bit is a, a good little like character beat that I did like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, okay. And then the other thing at the ending, um, they're walking home hand in hands. Um, Rainjoy, like so many of us pick up on the curtain plane, hand holding kind of theme that happens in mm-hmm. canon. And, um, so it's, and that's a nice little moment. Um, Kurt's in a romantic and dreamy state, And then he starts seeing, um, uh, uh, Once Upon a Dream from Sleeping Beauty and I, I right. feel like it is a nice nod to this idea of Kurt being woken up and living again mm-hmm. uh, I think that's intentional so yes. so yeah that's chapter 5 chapter 5 cool okay so chapter 6 which is kind of a transitionary 
chapter. There's not a whole lot going on, even though mm-hmm. I think it's still 20 pages, like most of the chapters are. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of reaffirmation, reaffirmation of the se- of season five of chapter five. And right. um, a, just a lot of like little like things that kind of get to get from point A to point. It's transitionary. It's really what yes. this is. It's very um, transitionary. The biggest thing that I would like to talk about is the fandom aspect of it because we are starting to get some pull away. Whereas Blaine was originally the voice of the internet and voice of us and everything. Um, this is going to be kind of the start of the pull away from that. Um, we, in the previous chapter and something that we did not mention, which is my fault because I forgot, um, was that somebody catches Kurt and Blaine together as they get out of the, the vocal adrenaline stuff. And um, they post it online and it's it's funny because it's like it's something like it's not even a, a regular fan ghost. It's like a, somebody that posts kittens and and recipes or something like that. Um, and oh, yeah, in fact that it's kitten blogger that grabbed the shot. Um, and it starts a fandom riot, which is fun. Oh, I gotta love fandom riots. And I mean, there's the shipping war starts. Shipping wars. Shipping happens. Shipping always happens, right. but it's kind of so fun. Where started, yeah, go ahead. Started a fandom war, which we all mm-hmm. know what that is like. Or not fandom war. Um, a Shipping fandom war. Riot. The fandom yes. riot started, which we all know what that's like, and then that starts the shipping war. Of course. Not that this is going to be much of a thing. It's just a funny uh-uh. thing at this point because, like, it's you know, it, it starts to be you know, Pugzilla or I don't remember what is it the puck. Where yeah, Pugzilla. Puckzilla, but the oh, um, Ghostzilla is that? I don't Ghostzilla. know what their shipper name is. Yeah. And versus what is uh, Ghost is um, what the heck is their shipper name? Um, well, they don't have one yet because I don't know what his name is. But it will eventually be the what? Ghost Links. Ghost Links. Yeah, uh-huh. the Ghost Links stuff. Um. So yeah, the shipping wars, and it's just fu- the thing that I really, probably my favorite thing about this entire, um, this entire fanfic is this, the way she does fandom because she is so good at capturing the sounds of fandom and what it's like, and like everybody arguing and everybody like having an opinion and everybody, you know, like Blaine having to save face. And he's just like, well, we just don't know yet. You know, it's just a picture mm-hmm. of the two of them. We don't know actually what's going on. And, um, it, that's the fun of it really. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is so. the fun of it. Um, there, so Blaine, just thinking that Kurt needs to be involved in all of this sends, you know, all of this nonsense to Kurt. Kurt's, Freaks out. Freaks out. Just, just freaks out. And rightfully so. Like, can you imagine not really knowing any of this is a thing and then getting sent all of it all at once? It can be shocking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he starts to have a panic attack. And then one of the nice things about this chapter that I really like is that he, Blaine... Uh, is able to talk Kurt through a panic attack, an anxiety mm-hmm. attack. And that's really kind of neat. It is you know, over the phone, too. Like, he's not there with him. You know, I know a lot of people, they need that groundingness of touch mm-hmm. and to help them kind of settle. 
and he's over the phone. So that's even more impressive. I think that Blaine is very is going to be very good at his job. Right. And I, like again, I kind of wish this was a, something that had been done first more uh-huh. than before five because I feel like this kind of security and Kurt having this kind of person to help him and relax him and whatever. I think it's a good thing. And I think for, you know, the type of character that Kurt is in this story to have Blaine, who is a, a solid person who somebody that he can, you know, and right before this, keep in mind, and it is important to the plot, though. I think it's more important to Gray than it is all the other ghosts. Um, this idea that, um, Kurt is f- like phasing through solid objects unintentionally. Yeah. When he's and, a lot. Yeah. So the fact that Blaine can be this sturdy person that he can hold on to is a huge thing. Um, And I also like the juxtaposition of, like, Kurt needing Blaine, but also, like, and I put that in quotations, needing Blaine, but also, like, being really cautious about needing him and also being okay on his own. Like, he wasn't really okay, but he was surviving. Yep. So it was like... All of those things are true, and he can still need Blaine, and Blaine can be there for him, and it's not, it's not a necessity or else he'll die. You know what right. I mean? Like, yes, it's not co co. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Codependency. Uh, codependency. Yes. Yeah, I I do think they get a little codependent, yes. but it's not. I mean, it's for the sake of fanfic. I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of those things, like, in fanfic stuff, I can kind of just, whatever. They're, just you know. in disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so there's all this, like, Blaine has explained, oh, God, Blaine's explained shipping. And whenever anybody has to explain fandom to somebody who doesn't know it, Listen, it I find it so cringy. I had to explain fandom to my girlfriend. And <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it was awful and then she looked at me like I was crazy and I was like first of all I'm not crazy and second of all get over it and she (laughs) but it's like I so very funny I really understand where you're coming here from Blaine I really do oh yeah well and there's um I feel like something that was more cringy than this was on you know when we were talking about on the actual show Mm-hmm. When Santana explains what OTPs are, I'm like, oh god, stop! stop <laughs> no, 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 it's not okay. <laughs> I don't like it. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. <laughs> Please stop. Please make it stop. Right. Um, but yeah, it it's uh, again. It, there's a lot of truth in her telling a fandom and her explaining fandom. And I mean, she, you don't even know what like platform that they're on, but you don't have to. Um, no. She comes from a live journal. Um, mm-hmm. But you can still make this as Tumblr esque or Twitter esque. You can even make it Reddit too. I mean, oh, you can yeah. make it Reddit as well. So, like, the good thing about fandom is it exists in, on multiple platforms, and all of them kind of under- have an understanding of each other. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, the fandom stuff is there, and and he basically they make the wise decision that Kurt doesn't need to know about this stuff. And you, you don't. Right. And I think especially something something we're probably going to talk a little bit more on as we go on. Talk a little bit more about as we go on is this idea of real person fandom uh-huh. stuff. Because yes. it is different than having, 
you know, being a fan, like us being a fan, fans of Kurt and Blaine are different than being a part of what would be a real superhero or even be, mm-hmm. you know, like being a fan of an actor or a, whatever. It's a different set of rules. Um, so yeah, I don't think Kurt needs to be aware of any of this because it doesn't, I mean, it's not really, it's nice to know that there are friendly people there and he's later going to, you know, really realize, okay, there are a lot of people who love me out there when he kind of shut that out. But other than that, it's just a lot of noise that it's not for them. It, it isn't. So. Shipping and things that didn't need to know any of this stuff. Yes. That's what I was saying. Thank you. So it's also something that Blaine can take off of Kurt's shoulders. This is something that he, that Kurt doesn't need to know anything about. And it's something Blaine can take and just deal with because it will be easier for Blaine. Now, granted, it's going to get harder for him. The harder, the more they go on and he's going to have to separate himself from it. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he can take it on and be okay with it. Right. Well, like even in this chapter, he's like trying to not read. There's already smutty fan fiction up. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I can't read that. That's not something I need to be doing. Like, right. that's me, Which, even though. I don't know if I could not read it. So let's just put that out there. Oh, okay. I'm going to write a fan fiction about you and your girlfriend. And there you go. I mean, I would probably read it. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to do that, but I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this sucks. Make it better. Um, <laughs> right. This is not, we don't do this. Go back. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What do you mean? <laughs> I thought one of you was a kitty and the other one was M. Craig. Or <laughs> anyway. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, fandom is weird. Um, but delightful, and so, yeah, that's like that's one aspect that it's transitionary because we are the fandom is gonna have, um, and we'll eventually talk about them. Um, three individual characters associated with it, and mm-hmm. but she hasn't developed that yet because Blaine is still very much a part of fandom. Um, but when fandom gets its own voice, um, yeah, that's when Blaine and Kurt are gonna be separated, mm-hmm. and as they should, like I said, you know the like. You know, real people don't need to necessarily know what's going on. I mean, yeah, they should be aware, like, hey, there's, like, a lot of... If it's a lot of negative stuff or a lot of something that's going on, yeah, you should be aware of general. But you can't change everyone's opinions or you can't Mm -hmm. be in control of everything. And Nor should you try to be. And that just being, you know, surrounded by that... It reminds me a lot. Did you watch The West Wing? Um, not consistently. I mean, so there's this one episode where um, Josh on the West Wing gets in this fight with these bloggers, mm-hmm. and they're like, like they start out and they're like the Josh. I think they call themselves the Joshites or something like that, and they like mm-hmm. love him. But then he gets involved in it and is responding back to them, and it's like this whole like he ends up like angering them, quote unquote, and then they're mm-hmm. like. Whatever, but that's what it reminds me of. It's like you can't insert yourself into it because you're already into it. And so once it doesn't work like that, like you can't, you're never going to be able to change people's minds. You're never going to be able to run the conversation the way you want to. You just have to accept that. 
for one. Right. Well, and, it, and also, I think some people kind of forget this. Fandom is a thing for us. It is mm-hmm. a way for us to express how we feel and how we do things. I mean, even let's take this podcast. Let's take the fact that, you know, no, we did not ask Brain Joy for permission. But no. it's not really up to her either. Like, she right. has put her stuff out there. And whatever kind of conversation comes out of it, you know, if she wanted to really, like, listen and, and critique and say, hey, this is not what I meant, that's fine. She has every right to do that. But since it is a now, it, it's kind of one of those things, it's with all art. And, mm-hmm. you know, you put it out there, you can't, you know, the the author is dead type thing. Like, that's, right. yeah. So, so yeah. Um, at the end, Blaine actually blacklists dad ass. Yes, he does. a tag. Because there is which, an ass tag. There is, there is a butt tag. <laughs> it's all about the butt. Oh my goodness. Meanwhile, going on in the other half of this, uh, particular, um, particular chapter is this whole, okay. So kind of continuing on the romantic path, we've got, um, you know, Blaine starting, he's all like blissful and blissed out and just kind of, you know, really enjoying the fact that this stuff is happening with Kurt's. You have Kurt, who is kind of more and more warming up to this idea of Blaine being in his life. Um, they go on an actual date, mm-hmm. um, and a place where Kurt has not made an impact on the restaurant owner. <laughs> <laughs> not, the, not the first sushi place; it's the second one. Yep, exactly. Um, they it, they talk about Ohio, and this is just a little tangent because. I hate the obligatory Ohio conversation. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, it's, you know, and I just don't see it as much in other fandoms now that I've been reading. I mean, in, um, I, I didn't really see it in the office fandom. I don't really see it in MCU, but the glee for whatever reason, whenever Cart and Blaine are shoved into an AU at some point, they have some kind of conversation about how they're both from Ohio. And, I'm like, why do we need to have this conversation every time this happens? I don't understand mm-hmm. why they just can't be their own characters. Why does it have to be revolutionary every time they get to the point where they're like, oh, I'm from Ohio? Oh, my God. Yeah, that I'm too. Fine. Yeah, it's not necessary. So that's just my little, just, it's my own pet peeve in, fa- in right. fiction. In fiction. Stop writing the obligatory Ohio conversation. <laughs> Pam said so. Not necessary. Get on with your point. It's boring. Right. Um, you know, there's more hand holding. There's you know a lot of like alluding to more trust being between the two of them. I do like the moment where Rachel interrupts their kissing and and, and Kurt's just like not with it. Like go away, mm-hmm. Rachel, and just you right. know just cracks me up. And then um, I love the way he like closes the door and he's still smiling. That's mm-hmm. really sweet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, we forgot to mention, which is. Uh, before uh, really important. Um, the phalanx costume mm-hmm. um, is designed, and it you know it's it, like it's designed. I mean, I, I do think this is a little bit of an excuse for her to ungel Blaine's hair, mm-hmm. um, which I know a lot of Blaine fans will get mad about. But she does actually have a legitimate point where he has to look different, and that yep. makes him look a lot different. But I do think it is funny for her to. It's a way for her to let kind of let Blaine's curls loose. Um, and, um, yeah, and then she, or, sorry, then they use their fandom to advertise the phalanx. 
Um, yep. Gotta let people know who he is. So they, I, is, I think this is the part with the graffiti stuff and yeah, they start they graffitiing save, it. They like save a girl from a mugging mm-hmm. and they tell her like, cause she's a, t- she's a tagger. Mm-hmm. So they're like, just tag this next to all of my, uh, all yeah. of the ghost stuff. Which yep, is actually exactly. very genius. Cause people I know, don't know really what cool. it is, but they're starting to notice it. Yep, exactly. I love it. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of, you know, Kurt, Blaine calls Kurt his boyfriend for the first time and mm-hmm. Kurt has very gooey feelings about it. And, you know, Blaine feels very protective of Kurt and understanding the delicate relationship they have. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a really eventful chapter. <laughs> no, it's really not. I'm sorry, guys. It's There's a lot of... Um... The fandom is mostly what's happening in this chapter. That's that and the the continuing bonding of Kurt and Blaine. Yes. Um, Kurt being more open to Blaine and Blaine solidifying that he knows that Kurt is a real person and not the ghost. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, guys, that's that's about it for chapter six. That's all. And we're doing chapter seven. Ooh. Welcome to chapter seven. Um, like chapter six. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, no. This is another one of the transitionary, uh, uh, I keep saying episodes, transitionary chapters. There's a little um, of this one, but that's about it. Yeah, this is, feels a little more action And I know that Rain Joy said, she's like, um, the big thing with the, the act, she felt obligated to put a lot of action in it. It's a superhero mm-hmm. thing. She felt like it needed to be in every chapter. Mm-hmm. So that's why we get a lot of it. Okay, so um, just uh, you know, we get Blaine training on the docks, and I, I have to mention the Mata family because Kurt took them down, right? And that's going to be an issue because they have a hit out on Kurt, and that's going to keep happening. Um, show its face again later. We do get a Kurt that's more relaxed and flirty as they train. It is a really cute little like bit yes. um, when they're training, and um, yeah, I and do he like- covers his he covers his eyes and is like you know feel where it is. Mm-hmm. That was really sweet. And then was. Blaine was like, "Well, you're not something about." What about like you're not always gonna be right there to do that? And he's like, "Yes, I will." You know what I mean? Like I'll mm-hmm. be there to guide you whenever you need me. So it was sweet. It is. It is real, and it's like because I, I know I complain so much about the chapter five stuff, but I feel like what, like I said, once she gets into their dynamic is working uh-huh. and um, being a partnership, it it works better for me. Um, more than the overly coded heteronormative nonsense that is a lot of the beginning of the book. Um, but yeah. Um, so, uh, they, the biggest action sequence that happens in a majority of this chapter is a fire at Sotheby's because the pink dagger who is given that name by Sue Sylvester and Cannon to uh-huh. Sandy Ryerson. Um, I love that. I, like, Rain Joy takes these names and runs with them. She uses all of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> except for Sue is going to be much different, uh, in a much different role. Um, Which side note took me forever to figure out that that was Sue. Yeah, when it she shows up at the very beginning with Pugzilla. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, it's really not until you read Gray that you're like, because she doesn't show up until Gray. So uh-huh. 
Or maybe she shows up at the end of this one. I don't she remember. She does show up at the end of this one, but you still don't. You're not positive it's Sue yet. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, um, but the pink dagger. Um, God, Sandy Ryerson, who a character I don't even like on the show, but no. she makes good use of him here. He wants a doll, much like he like. You can tell she was very in tune with chapters or seasons one and two. Yes, because she she pulls from them heavily, and. Um, yeah, the doll stuff. Like, who remembers Sandy Ryerson like dolls? Well, clearly Rainjoy did. Because that's what, it, you know, he wants. And a lot of the action sequences really just... Um, really just this pink dagger stuff. Yeah, you're right. Um, I do One thing I do want to mention, because back when Lima Heights Jason podcast did it, uh, they went over. They just had one episode about go- all the other ghosts. And they, one thing they said about the pink dagger, though, was that the reason he's able to keep besting Kurt because he does come back a few times is that Kurt doesn't take him seriously, and he doesn't take him seriously here too. He's like, "You're doing this all for a doll," and he, um, the pink dagger is is able to get one over on Ghost just about every time. And Blaine has to come in for the rescue here, but um, you know, it's notable that that. Kurt seems to get in trouble when it's lesser when he thinks the things are lesser serious. Yes, when he has when he doesn't um, respect the seriousness of the situation. Right, exactly. The big is doing he's doing a lot of harm. Like, yes, he is a ridiculous character, but he, there's a lot of people on the ground right now. And yeah, Kurt exactly. The like just because he doesn't he he doesn't personally fear the pink dagger. Or in whatever context, he still needs to have the, a respect for what the pink dagger could do, and he mm-hmm. doesn't. Yep, exactly. So yeah, that's uh, the majority of the 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 chapter is this big long action mm-hmm. sequence. Um, after that happens, we get some smaller stuff. We get Blaine being tossed out to the fangirls for image control. I love this. I love that Kurt's like, "You go be the PR person. I'm not doing it." Right. Um, which is, it makes sense. I mean, Bl- Kurt is under the impression that Blaine is the real hero. He he has the hero mentality. He looks the hero. <coughs> Sorry. You're fine. And, um, you know, it, it's... It, call, it calls back to the issues we had when we were talking about Five, about the feminine versus the masculine and what Blaine looks like versus what, you know what I mean? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it. we don't need to rehash it again, but it just, it deserves to be said that Kurt is a hero and has been a hero. And that should, like, it doesn't take away when Blaine comes in, too. No, and it's going to be something that is more prevalent, I think, in um, in gray. Right. I think yeah. that it's the, their dynamic of this, but it, it happened. It's more of like the epi- the episode tested in late season five. It's mm-hmm. like that, and and that stuff works, and even the stuff with gray works better. It's not as coded. Um, right with this whole weird feminine masculine thing this part doesn't even bother me that much here but it's just very repetitive again Mm -hmm. her nature of doing that um like i i wrote my notes kurt thinks in parentheses thinks he needs a shield from the world and that is blaine um again using the blaine the shields as a allegory metaphor yeah Mm -hmm. so but at, at the same time it is good that they have somebody to talk for them, I mean, Blaine's going to end up being the PR per- person. Right. He's going to be the link from Kurt to the real world. 
And in which some is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, which I'm sure you're going to say the same thing is a good thing. Like it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's also necessary. And also, as I said before, it's something that Blaine can do. He can do this for Kurt. And so he's going to. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And when I uh, say that, I don't, and I just want to clarify really quickly. Oh, when sure. I say that, I don't mean that Blaine can't do the other hero things. That's not what I mean. What I right. mean is, it's Blaine is very familiar with the internet and how the internet works and what, what you know, you need to feed to the fangirls, exactly. <laughs> for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that he's good at and understands, whereas Kurt probably doesn't. So I'm well, not taking... And I don't want to take away from what Blaine does as a hero and a super, right. but also it's something that he can do that it's a, maybe a, Kurt can't. Right, exactly. I was going to say, and what I was kind of thinking of, and this is, comes up more so with Gray, that Blaine starts to become the conduit between other superheroes. Oh, and it will, it'll even come up soon in, in this this particular uh, in all the other ghosts but he is the one that will talk to sue sylvester and talk to the mm-hmm. other superheroes and he'll talk to people in general and he can be the voice of the both of them when kurt is more awkward socially mm-hmm. um blaine having the skills it, it doesn't mean that kurt it, kurt just is has a harder time with social situations and that's not a problem that is a positive thing that Blaine can be here and help with that kind of thing. Right. So, um, this is the first time there's a little sequence here. The first time we get the internet without Blaine and directly involved. Right. And this is important because the now fandom is going to be its own character Correct. and be this from here on out is probably it starts to be the representation of fandom as we know it, not necessarily from somebody who's in it, but also part of the story. This is fandom kind of, you know, um, I love it. We got the first new shipper name is actually here. The first real gay porn or the porn, um, angry Godzilla shippers and, you know, a puck length shipper. And so you start to get just kind of like real fandom with Kurt and Blaine. Kurt came first, you know, there's all this Kurt stuff. And now Blaine is starting to get a little bit of his own fandom, his right. own subsection. And it's it's going to start getting complicated. But right now, everybody's a little like, oh, this is a new shiny thing. It's kind of like when Clayne was the first thing. You know, oh, this shiny new thing is here. A lot of people are going to be before for it. But then it's going to start to break down. Right. And be fandom messy, as fandom messy as always is. Um, this is the first mention of Draxy, who is one of our first of three... Um, uh, girls, main girls, fan girls. Um, though I think I think Black Bindings is in her forties, isn't she? I'm pretty sure. She's yeah, older. but I mean, I I'm of the idea that everybody's a fan girl, just because. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just wanted to point out because I, I Draxia feels like she's in her late twenties, early thirties. Ghostly feels a little younger, but Black Bindings is definitely middle age and i think that's important only because it just shows you that it's not just teenage girls who are doing this this is you know um and and at the very end um because they you know phalanx finally has his name and somebody else is like well i preferred the shadow i love that i love that little bit where it's like there's always somebody who's like well i preferred this or i want you know puckzilla back or i want whatever and it just cracks me up i know i love it 
I love it. Um, later, very true to fandom. Very true. Very true. Um, one thing also, Cooper is gonna when he's talking to Blaine a little bit later. You know, Blaine is like, you know, you can't, you know, don't talk about my internet stuff. It's private. And the Cooper says very wisely, you put it on the internet. It's not private. Correct. <laughs> I love that the line. And um, yeah, and then we get more of. You know, Blaine in his introspection and feeling in love with Kurt, and really more the solidifying that he he's a re- you know Kurt is a real person, and Kurt is the one he's more in love with, and and not necessarily the ghost or the image of what the ghost is. So, are you still there? I'm here. Okay, it just sounded like something shut. Um, I think I just touched my phone. Okay, um, and. Uh, like, you know, there's this whole section, again, there's another uh, little action about a man stopping, a, 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 or a man beating a woman, they stop him, and it's the first time Blaine sees real violence, like, real, yeah. real violence, and he has this, like, reaction to it, and this is when he's, like, you know, Kurt, he doesn't want Kurt on his own. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, he just wants everybody to be... Um, or he just, not that he wants to save Kurt or anything, but it's just, it becomes real for him. Yeah. It becomes, and it pulls into his, like, his protection, like his, the way he wants to protect people. So, you know, he wants to protect Kurt from that. Yep. Exactly. Um, people shouldn't be on their own when the worst can happen. Yes. And they shouldn't. I mean, he is right about that. They should not be by himself. Um, you know what else? This chapter also mentions the um, Blaine's photography. Has that been mentioned? I think it was at the beginning, but like... Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of times where he's mentioned, like, he grabs his camera because it looks gloomy outside or the lighting is really good. Like, he's mentioned it a couple of times. Okay. All right. But yeah, again, this is another transitionary... Um, chapter it's it's action heavy and it's introspective mm-hmm. about Blaine a lot but yeah. there's not a whole lot of other things going on um, it's not really moving the story forward in any real way except for to give you exploratory background things yep or just more um, introspection as well yes. which is what she does a lot of, which is fine it's fan fiction yes. it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be at any pace. So right, all right. Well, that kind of wraps up our discussion on chapter seven. Yay! Yay! But it's too late, baby. Now it's too late. Once in your life, you'll find her. Someone who turns your heart Popular, war, and let.